Hey everyone, and welcome to the inaugural, <laughs> inaugural, who says that? I mean, the inaugural episode of the podcast that goes snicked. Um, this podcast is going to be talking about who is one of my favorite all-time fictional characters, um, the mutant X-Man known as Wolverine, a.k.a. Logan, a.k.a. James Hallett, a.k.a. Weapon X, a.k.a. Patch. Remember that? Yeah. You got AKAs all over the place, and we'll get to a bunch of them. Um, but basically, the podcast is me, your host, Jason. Uh, just me for now. Uh, we'll see. We might have some other people come in and out. We'll just kind of see how it goes, whether this works or not. Um, but it's going to be me talking about Wolverine, uh, mostly in the comics, and wherever else I kind of feel like going. Um but yeah, that's it. So thanks for joining, and we'll get started right now. So we're going to start with the Meat and Taters, uh, the main Wolverine series. Uh, we had two issues come out the last few weeks. I don't really know why they did what they did, but I'm going to go in the correct numerical order. Um, 310 came out two weeks before 309. Um, I'm assuming there was some sort of scheduling problem. They didn't get 309 done in time. I mean, it's a guest kind of one-off issue. So maybe it was late. Maybe they didn't know what they were doing there. But um, I'm going to cover it first. Uh, I think chronologically it's first. It's numerically first. So that's where I'm going to start. Um, so Wolverine 309. Written by Ivan Brandon. Uh, I'm not real familiar with him. Um, 
maybe he's done some stuff I liked. Uh, the story was pretty good, but I can't really recall seeing his name anywhere in particular that I've read. You have art by Raphael Albuquerque, Jason Latour, and John Rausch. If I said all that right, I hope I did. Don't really know those last two. Um, when I saw the previews that Raphael Albuquerque was going to be drawing this, I was pretty stoked. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing some of his art, and I thought he would have a good take on Wolverine. Turns out I was right. I never really read any of the American Vampire stuff yet. I've been wanting to. And speaking of that, you know, he drew that for us, or with, not for, with Scott Snyder. Um, and I've been loving his stuff on Batman. Absolutely phenomenal. And so I'm in no hurry for him to leave the new 52 and Batman over there. But I gotta say, it'd be pretty awesome if Scott Snyder were to do a run on Wolverine. I think he would be right up that alley and would do really, really good on it. So we have a cover by Isad Rivik. Again, I hope that's pronounced right. I really, really like this cover. It's really good. Other than the fact that uh, Wolverine obviously has a really bad cold. Uh, either that or he had an itch on his nose and he accidentally popped his claws when he went to scratch it. But uh, aside from the, the Rudolph syndrome here, um, the cover is... It's, it's really nice. The, the colors are nice. The drawing's nice. Wolverine's hair looks really good. He's making a nice scowl. You got this guy. Looks like he's made out of rock. I didn't recognize him from the cover. Um, well, I guess we'll find out who he is as we go through the book. And you have this redhead chick. So, uh, yeah, let's get started. Uh, you got the little recap. Starting off talking about Elixir. He's the, one of the kids from New X-Men Academy X, which I read a little bit of, but not a lot. So I didn't really know Elixir, um, except for as a kid who looked like uh, he was a leftover from Goldfinger. Uh, he had the, kind of the goldy, shiny skin, like that chick who died at the beginning of Goldfinger. And... I got a little bit of him when I uh, read the previous series of X-Force before it started over as Uncanny. He was uh, on Wolverine's team in X-Force. And so they talk about that, how uh, basically he had the power to heal. His girlfriend died. He went to the dark side of the Force. And then when he was in X-Force, he kind of learned how to use both powers the healing and the destruction. And, but I guess he kind of got depressed over the, the bad part and he split. Left X-Force. Now I thought it was interesting. They, they say here in the previous part, you know, talking about the schism where Wolverine and Cyclops go separate ways and split the X-Men in half and Avengers versus X-Men is going on. Actually, I think this is before. Um, but it says something. It says, Wolverine has time to reflect on one student he wasn't able to save and what that means for his future and the future of his students. Referring to now that he's 
in charge of the Jean Grey school. But you open to the first page, and I don't know how much reflecting he's doing on any students. Uh, he's basically in a dive bar, uh, taking a lot of shots of whiskey, which, you know, Healing Factory can do that. Kind of stay on top of things. So here we are in a dive bar. Wolverine, or Logan, is in a uh, cowboy hat and a cool jacket. Kind of classic civilian Logan look. And it's funny, he starts off talking about the uh, the smoking ban in the bar, which, uh, you know, here in Dallas, Texas, I've really enjoyed the smoking ban, not being a smoker myself, but liking pubs and bars quite a bit. It's been nice to uh, not have to smell like smoke all the time, and, you know, they can go right outside and smoke, it's no big deal. But... You know, he talks about all the smells that smoking covered up in bars, which I guess, I don't know, I've been to some pretty shitty bars, but, and I don't have enhanced senses. I've seen people passed out, and I've seen people throw up. I'm sure it's happened. I've never seen anybody piss themselves, so I've never had to smell that. Like this guy on the pool table here. Uh, he's peed all over himself and the floor. So apparently he had a full tank that he unleashed. And then you have uh, Gwen Stefani puking in the toilet. And a couple, you can smell, Wolverine can smell the hormones from people who are too drunk to be picky anymore. Which we've all either been there or seen it at the least. And then he smells fear. And you see this elixir kid who's kind of sneaking up behind Logan. He looks very uh, concerned, scared. His fists are clenched, so he's a little bit tense. The bartender razzes him, says, you know, hey, this is a bar. You can't be in here. You're underage. And he starts talking Wolverine. He says he wants to understand Wolverine. wants to see what makes him tick. The bartender's like, hey, you're not listening to me. I'm trying to throw you out of here. So he gets up in Wolverine's face, and which obviously is not the right thing to do if you value yourself. So Wolverine grabs his hand, bends his finger back. It hurts, you know, it hurts because you see the stars. Classic comic book for this hurts. Stars. Yep. So then, you know, Elixir's like, hey, you know what? Hold up. I'm not causing any trouble. I don't even want to drink. I'm not trying to buy anything underage. So here, let me give you a few bucks for a tip for your trouble. I'm just going to sit here and talk to my friend. Uh, it's probably not the money. It's probably the almost broken finger. But the bartender is uh, is good to go. And then, <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the menu behind this uh, nervously grinning bartender. And I can't help but notice that this dive bar where people are allowed to pee on the floor... Their top menu item is steak. You know, followed by steak and fries and then something else that I don't think we're supposed to be able to read. But it also looks like this steak is $2.71. Now maybe I'm reading that wrong. Or maybe it's the fact that it is a cheap shitty bar. But I'm not, hey, alright. I'm not going to A, eat any steak that comes from this place. And I can be at Three Forks. 
And I'm not going to eat a steak that costs $2.71. So, you know, just a little tangent on that steak there. Just, you know, <laughs> for whatever it is worth. So Wolverine asked Josh, which is the Elixir's real name, I guess, um, you know, what's going on? And he's like, well, you probably killed a more people than I went to school with. Yeah, you know, and Wolverine jokes. Well, it depends on the high school. He kind of gets annoyed by the joke or saddened by it. He doesn't really understand how Wolverine can joke about these kinds of things. And Wolverine's like, you know what? I don't really understand or like everything I do either. And he just says he wants to understand him. And even that means just staring at him. Then comes another bottle of Black Jack whiskey, not to be confused with Jack Daniels, which obviously looks a lot alike. Well, you know, whatever. And the bartender's like, eh, came from the girl over there. And we skin over, and you know things are going to get bad or in trouble because it's a redhead. I don't know. Like, and I mean nothing at all demeaning towards redheads. Redheads. There are a ton. Of beautiful redheads out there and the ratio of beautiful people to not so beautiful people in redheads is probably the exact same ratio it is for anybody else so I'm not saying anything derogatory about redheads I love redheads I mean, I've dated some in my life had a lot of fun but the guys at Marvel going all the way back I think have some kind of redhead girl fetish I mean, all the way back to, like, Mary Jane to Jean Grey. It's like, the hottest women in Marvel are, like, redheads. And so, and Wolverine, we know in particular, always had a soft spot for one of the loves of his life. And good luck keeping up with that list. But uh, Jean Grey, obviously, he had a big thing for. And so we know he's going to like this chick because she has red hair. And so he's going to leave the kid at the bar and says, you know, you want to look at the back of my head? Here's your chance. I'm going over here. So then we switch to a scene with uh, Logan and the redhead. It looks like her hair grew a little bit. Or maybe she just let it down. But anyway, they're in the hotel. Um, they haven't done anything necessarily yet, but the bed's messed up. So I guess they probably, you know, Fooled around a little bit. And they definitely uh, drained the mini bars. You can see by all the little bottles around. So Wolverine basically tells the girl. You know. He said something about Mama said. Which I don't know. What all Wolverine's Mama said to him. But based on the origin series. I don't think it was any of these things. Um, but he's basically moving in for the kill. Romantic kill. Um. And she says something about, oh, but I know you're a mutant that can't be killed. And he's like, ah, oh, sugar, don't spoil it, which I thought was a really funny line. And basically says, I knew what you were. And I was hoping we can, yeah, he, I knew what you were. I knew you were here for a reason, for business. But I was hoping the pleasure could come first. And she gets all nervous because he doesn't think she'll want to sleep with him when she sees her naked. Which, you know, he's like, well, what's underneath me can't be any worse. So then we switch to after sex. Uh, she's like, hey, you awake? He's like, yeah, I'm here. She's like, all right, well, I guess we should talk about why I'm here. 
She doesn't really want to, but she knows she has to. And I like this this part. She says, but there's something terrible I came here to tell you about. And you're a man who puts an end to terrible things. That kind of sums up other people's perception of Wolverine. In a good way, I thought. So like I said, not real familiar with this writer, but I'm digging what he's doing. So then we get to, uh, we have Cyclops blasting something. Turns out it's the little uh, ball from Star Wars that Obi-Wan tried to train Luke with. Apparently that was Shi'ar in origin. I didn't know that Shi'ar was in Star Wars. That makes sense. So you have Cyclops in his pre-Phoenix 5 costume. That's why we're pretty sure this is uh, taking place before AVX. Um, I, guess we're, I guess it could be at the beginning of it, but at the least. So you have Cyclops trying to train this kid with the matchstick head. Wolverine's like, hey, I need a day off. I gotta take care of something. Cyclops is like, yeah, you got one later. He's like, no, I need it now. Cyclops gets kind of pissy because he starts to say elude to X-Force in front of Max Stick Kid. And then he's like, well, so what are you going to tell me? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. And so Cyclops blows up the training wall. Then Elixir sees Wolverine leaving. I guess he overheard this stuff. He wants to come with him. Obviously Wolverine thinks it's a bad idea. Doesn't think he should. He's like, but I want to understand this part. I want to see it. So Wolverine's like, fine. Want to get yourself killed? Go ahead, right? It's your daddy. They change into costumes, hop on some motorbikes, hit the road. And then we get an insight into how the X-Force costumes work. See, I just thought they were always different costumes. But apparently, judging on this art, and I don't think it's just because we change artists. There's got to be a reason for this. I guess the costumes just change colors. I'm thinking it's probably moisture related. They're driving off in the desert. Probably got really hot, really sweaty. And that changed their costume colors. Kind of like those old uh, micro machines. They used to dunk in the cup of water. And like your Corvette would turn from white to purple. I think that's what's going on here. Pretty sure. So anyway, uh, they get to the Salton Sea. I don't remember where that is, but it's obviously in the desert. And they're looking for some bad things. And they find some bad things. They find some monsters. So Elixir's like, oh, let's get out of here. Turns out these guys are called dregs. And basically, the story from the girl that we got was... When Morlocks lost their mutant powers, they still kind of stayed deformed. They just couldn't do anything. And so now these Morlocks are, I guess, and on the run. I don't think we're in the New York subways anymore. But uh, they're out and about, and they're called dregs. And so Wolverine, we get our first snicked. Pops his claws. Says we never run. And he looks like he's about to fight it. Elixir gives a classic line. It's more scared of it than you are. And then the thing cuts Wolverine or tries to cut Wolverine in half. And so Wolverine's like, sorry kid, but I don't like the way he's scared. And a fight ensues. We get a good beheading. 
And this other dude comes up with spines coming out of his shoulders and his scalp. We start to fight. Wolverine gets tossed around a little bit. And we get this awesome frame down at the bottom of the page. An homage to one of my favorite Incredible Hulk covers ever. Uh, back when McFarlane did his run on Incredible Hulk. Back with the Grey Hulk. I don't remember what number it was. But we had the cover where Wolverine shows a broken reflection of the Hulk in his claws. So here we get this dragon monster doing the same thing. A really nice panel. Really, really like that panel. And it even turns out this guy has purple shorts. So he kind of looks like the Grey Hulk, but jacked up with rocks. Uh, so then we keep fighting. The guy's like, how do I kill you? Silver bullet? Uh, heart through, uh, stake through the heart? Kind of mentions the old monster things. And it looks like he does which I can't help but notice. He doesn't really have gold skin. It's kind of bronzy, but this whole comic doesn't really have gold skin anymore. But he touches this guy. He gets sick, falls away. He tries to heal Wolverine, but Wolverine's like, nah, feeling better already. And kills the thing, the monster thing. So we get to some like McMansion or Farmhouse or something, maybe an old industrial complex, I can't really tell. But Wolverine and Elixir are walking in. There's these dregs all laying around. Elixir spots the old lady with the octopus legs. Goes and tries to heal her. But it makes him sick. They talk about this Russian guy. Who you assume is the guy on the cover. Elixir doesn't look so hot. But he tries to heal another guy. Makes him sick again. I'm going to hope that that's the last time he tries to do that. But Wolverine drags him. We go up the hall into the nice little sitting area. And Wolverine pops his claws again. Our second snicked of the podcast. And we discover this guy is Meltdown. And we remember, or Wolverine tells us, that he had killed Meltdown back when he was running with Havoc. So I vaguely remember this guy, kind of. Um, I'm assuming this is from an uncanny era back in the... What, Australia days? That's when Wolverine and Havoc were on the same team, I think. Something around then. So we get this psychedelic flashback where Meltdown was like, Yes, I did die. I saw myself die. But my memories dissipated and ceased to be. And then he woke up in the desert and realized the only way he could survive was by draining the life energy of other things. And so he just basically went from small animal to small animal till he got back to the sewers and the subways. And then we find out this girl's name is Ava because she comes back in in the middle of the story. Basically says that in exchange for help, she let this guy trick the dregs into thinking that Meltdown was helping them. When in reality, he was just draining their life force. And it turned out she got changed or depowered from M-Day in mid-transformation from her black, scaly self. And we hear the story of this dragon kid 
went to the hospital. They thought he was being attacked. They thought they were being attacked. Uh, she tells us he's 17, but in case we can't read, we know he's 17 because he has an iPod. Obviously, a teenage dragon would have an iPod. Then we get some more story about how Ava and Meltdown kind of ran their scam. But Ava felt bad. You know, and wanted Wolverine to end it. So the Meltdown's eyes start to glow. It's a really cool panel. Uh, it looks kind of like Apocalypse there, but that's forgivable because Apocalypse looks badass. And this guy looks badass, so it's all good. And he decides he's starting to drain all these people's energy at once. And Eva's like, oh no, he's sucking them dry. And he looks just like, no! He's like, I'm sorry, my little helpers, but I have many more kilometers to go today. That's why you know he's Russian, because he says kilometers instead of miles. Then you get this really nice full-page spread with the fucking colors. I think it looks really awesome. Um, It's kind of retro-y, kind of pop art, I guess would be how you describe that, maybe. But I think it looks really cool. Wolverine kind of gets electrocuted or nuclearized or whatever you want to call that. But he's fighting this guy, cuts off his hand, which just makes more energy. And I think it grows back. And he meltdown says something about your friend have referring to Havoc isn't here. But it looks just like I'm here. He's like, I understand. I understand what it, where Wolverine's rage comes from, why he feels like you have to kill people to put an end to him. And he's getting ready to try to kill Meltdown, and by doing that, he's overloading him. Uh, he gets a really big head and funny-looking feet. <laughs> Excuse me. Wolverine tries to snap him out of it. He's like, nope, hands off. Can you feel it? And Wolverine tries to tell him to push it back. Ava tries to run away. It looks and grabs her. She's like, you're not implicit in this. Or you are implicit in this. You're not absolved. Is what I meant. And so then Meltdown kind of reverse psychology's uh, elixir without meaning to. He's like, I see that look in your face. I never thought I'd see it in someone else. The power of death. And Elixir's like, oh wait. I don't want that. And basically, he gives all the disease back to Meltdown from all the dregs. Wolverine says, you could have killed me. There's not many people I can say that about. Looks just like, I don't want to be a killer again. And basically, Ava complains about what she did wrong. And she feels bad. Wolverine... Arguably says that he knows more about shame than most, which if you know Wolverine, you know that's true. And, she's, and it looks as like, but how do you keep going? That's why I want to understand. Knowing what you know, doing what you've done. He's like, I don't know what makes me tick, basically. He talks about how he's at war with himself, and every night he goes to bed with regret. But then I really like this last line. It really sums up Wolverine. Uh, the last page talks about how he goes about regret, but he says, and when I wake up, I decide today to try and do things right. 
So that story was called Underneath. In the cutting edge, we have a nice little picture of elixir and wallflower. I don't remember wallflower at all, but I'm assuming that's the girlfriend they referred to at the beginning that died that made them all depressed and wacky. And so, next issue was Wolverine 311 and 312, which look really exciting, but we're going to talk about 310 first. So, alright, be right back with Wolverine 310. Alright, this uh, next section of the episode is brought to you by Shiner Black. No, not really. But I did just go get a Shiner Black. (laughs) So, you know, whatever. Anyway. Uh, moving right along to a Wolverine number 310, which I have been waiting for this for a while. I'm super stoked. This is a part one about, or for the uh, Sabretooth Reborn story arc, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, largely in part, and not news to any Wolverine fans, but uh, it's the same team. Jeff Loeb and Simone Bianchi, if that's right. I hope it's right. I'd really like to say his name right because I really dig him. Um, but the same team that uh, killed Sabretooth in uh, Wolverine Evolution uh, a little while back, not too long ago. I mean, if you read comics at all, you know that dead doesn't stay dead. Uh, you know, death is not sacred in the Marvel Universe or any comic universe for that matter. So, even though Wolverine beheaded Sabretooth with that special blade, we all knew at some point he would probably come back. But it is cool because... You know, usually when characters die, if someone gets killed off, another writer will come back later and bring them back. Sometimes to good effect, sometimes to not so good, but, you know, the best writers will take the old story and and have a quote-unquote return that goes really well and some writers aren't as good as that. But the cool thing about when you have a situation like this where it was part of the story, uh, you know, according to what what I've read, and I'm assuming he has has no reason not to tell the truth, you know, Jeff Loeb says that him and Simone planned all this. Like, they they weren't sure if they would tell the story of Sabretooth's return, they knew if they did, this is how they would do it. So I, I think that gives this potential to be a lot better than your typical, oh, look, he's back from the dead. It's me, Magneto, or Jean Grey, or Human Torch, or whoever is not dead anymore, Colossus. And I don't mean to slight all of those. Some of those are really good stories coming back. But some of them weren't Human Torch. Um... And cool, so we come to chapter one, Sabretooth Reborn, Out of the Darkness. And, you know, one thing about Sabretooth's return, we, we knew it was going to happen, so there's no 
shock or surprise that he's alive now. Though I do hope we get to see some of the shock and surprise through the eyes of our character Wolverine, because obviously he doesn't know. But um, even if we didn't know he was going to come back, we knew he's been back because we've already seen him in the underground uh take over the gangs in Madripoor in the underworld. Um, which I think it's a really cool uh, character development for him. Uh, he's kind of trying to step up, I guess, be a little more a different kind of villain. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't know if it's right to say more intellectual. That's kind of the feel you get. He doesn't just want to be an assassin thug. He wants to garner more respect for himself as a power besides just a powerhouse if that makes sense it makes sense to me <laughs> I hope you get what I'm talking about uh, hopefully so um, so so to me this story is not about like oh Sabertooth's back oh wow didn't see that coming but, but the story of how we get from decapitation to running drug lord or gang lord I guess more appropriate of Madripoor I'm hoping this story shows kind of the point A to point B that's what I'm looking forward to and hoping to get out of this Um, so let's see let's see where we start Uh, we do know this is in the past because we've already seen Sabretooth Alive in previous issues but, you know, just to make sure, it starts off with New York City weeks ago. And we have Wolverine using his claws to do his best Spider-Man impersonation. He is climbing up what is going to be the Empire State Building. And just let me say right off the bat, I already talked about how I like this creative team and I'm excited they're continuing this story. Um, I think beyond... Bianchi, Bianchi, <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you're not listening, so I don't have to apologize to you, but man, I'm really sorry. Um, anyway, his art gets better every time I see him. And it's always been good, but it just keeps getting better and better. I mean, I'm just looking at the second sideways panel here. Like Wolverine's face and his mask. The way he draws Wolverine's uniform, I'm really digging. Um, but anyway, that's just just my personal taste. I'm really I'm really glad he's he's still drawing some Wolverine. Now, actually, I saw some of his uh, and picked up some of his old Green Lantern issues from uh, quite a ways back. That's uh, pretty pretty exciting. He's he's a good. Good stuff. Good stuff. So we get, we find out he's climbing up the Empire State Building to get Cloak. Now, I don't really like Cloak and Dagger. Um, when they first came out, I thought they were stupid. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be afraid to say what characters I like and don't like. And I just, I, I thought Cloak and Dagger were dumb. Um, Cloak as he's shown up more recently in in Wolverine and in Civil War. This kind of darkness thing he does is kind of 
cool to a degree. Um, doesn't really make me like Dagger at all, but or the team, uh, the team up partnership, whatever. But but Cloak is more tolerable, <laughs> I guess. Now he's had some good writers do a couple of good things with him. Um, but this first little big page is spread when Wolverine gets to the top of the Empire State Building. I know he's chained up, and you don't want your best look to be when you're chained up. But this drawing right here of Cloak is the coolest drawing I've seen of him. I really like the way his cape looks here. Um, I'm a sucker. Call it call it the Emperor Palpatine Syndrome. I'm a sucker for people with hoods over their faces like that. Uh, anyway, he just looks really cool. So Wolverine uh, gets up here. He jokes about how he's always wanted to cover the top of the Empire State Building, but didn't really want to do it like this. Uh, I really like the uh, the city below. Very nicely drawn with the lights. The color looks really good. So he's got to figure out how to get down. He's, you know, Cloak is like, he has dagger. Wolverine's like, who? And Cloak's like, Sabretooth, which shocks Wolverine because pretty sure he cut off his head. Uh, he slips with an exclamation point. That's the <gasps> sound, I'm guessing. And Ninja Wolverine and Cloak <laughs> fall off the building. And uh, it's just Shadow. It's just a very particular Shadow that only falls on the back of Wolverine's jersey. But that's okay, just nitpicking. Um, he talks about the classic story about the penny, which I thought was a good reference. And he's like, you think a penny does bad? What do you think my adamantium bones are going to do? And we get a nice little flashback to the exact drawing done by this same artist of when the head fell off. <laughs> then Cloak says, goes with a nice comic book trope sentence series like, What? You've never heard of anyone coming back from the dead? And so he decides that Cloak has to teleport him. Um, and it says a great line about Sabretooth. It says, because if Sabretooth is alive, he's in the killing pretty girls business, which I thought was great, because we all know, especially Wolverine, that Sabretooth likes to go after the, uh, the women folk. Uh, your loved ones are target alpha in Sabretooth's book. So we go to where Wolverine buried Sabretooth, he figured he didn't want people getting a hold of the body. He didn't want anyone cloning him. Uh, which makes sense. You know, there's Weapon X stuff. Uh, Wolverine has personal experience with the whole X-23 thing where people got a hold of his genetic material. Um, Deadpool as a result. People stealing his genes. So he doesn't want anybody having Sabretooth's genes. So he buried him out in Canada, I think, right? Or whatever. I think it's... I think it's right by the uh, the Silver Fox cabin, which we go to here in a little bit. But he digs up the body, and we have a saber-toothed corpse with a head, not attached, laying in this little makeshift coffin. Uh, it's still there. It's decomposing a little bit. We got some ribs sticking out of saber-tooth. 
Um, you still got blood gunk on the base of the neck. Uh, you would think that would probably be gone, but that's cool. Uh, and you have the nice Hamlet moment where Sabretooth or Wolverine picks up Sabretooth's head and he's like, complains about the stench, but he says it smells better than he did when he was alive. But then he says something interesting about the smell. He says, the smell. Something about it didn't add up even when I killed him. Which, you know, if you know anything about comic foreshadowing, that's probably going to be important. So then he tosses the, uh, the head back in. Get a little neck bone. Nice shot. So Wolverine's trying to figure out what's going on. His cloak says that Sabretooth came at us and told him if he didn't release Romulus from the darkness dimension, he would kill Dagger. And Wolverine's like, you didn't fall for that, did you? And he's like, he was going to kill her. And he's like, you stupid blah, blah, blah. And you let Romulus out and they still kept your girl. They knew you were going to call me. That's the only reason you're alive. Then they hear Dagger scream. Wolverine goes traveling through the snow. Maybe that's why his nose is red on the previous issue. Traveling through the snow. Anyway, we get another flashback of uh, Wolverine killing Silver Fox. Or I'm sorry, of Sabretooth killing Silver Fox on Wolverine's birthday. Wolverine finds the body. He's in the picture, but Sabretooth killed him. Sorry about that. And so we see him approaching the cabin. He talks about it's been rebuilt, but he didn't do it. Well, I mean, why would he want to do that? It's a place of bad memories. But he kicks in the door, and lo and behold, Romulus has dagger. You know, and he says, you should be thanking me. Sabretooth wanted to kill her right away. Old habits. But I intervened. And then he throws Dagger to the side. Wolverine's like, Cloak, get out of here. And basically Wolverine gives Romulus the not in my house speech. So I'm assuming that his, uh, the X-Men uniforms must be made by Under Armour. And we get a nice spread of Wolverine attacking Romulus, sticking his claws right through him, and falling into the fireplace. He talks about how, or thinks to himself, he thought he had the Romulus situation contained, but obviously he didn't, so now he's going to fix it. But obviously Romulus is like, you know you can't kill me that easily. And Cloak and Dagger argue about whether they're going to help Wolverine. Wolverine's like, we came for her, we got her, get out of here. He's looking back, and in that instance, Romulus takes advantage of the distraction. And Wolverine's like, who are you working with? Why'd you come back? What the hell do you want? And he says, I'm in, I'm in the cutting heads off business, <laughs> and threatens to decapitate him. And Romulus says, you know, you don't really go to the darkness dimension very much. Yeah, Cloak drags you around from place to place, but you're there a few minutes. Talks about how boring it is, even for an, immort 
even though he's already bored with immortality on Earth, is even worse in the darkness dimension because time is even slower. So he talks about how he wanted to think about, or how he thought about Wolverine and, and the ways he wanted to destroy him. Wolverine gets a nice tough guy in, line in. Sounds like he wasted some valuable alone time. Good line. So him and Romulus fight some more. He laments that Wolverine wouldn't follow him, which if you remember, Romulus had, you know, working in the shadows and tried to get Wolverine to kind of be his... I don't know if successor is the right word, but I guess second lieutenant, second in command. And Wolverine, of course, turned him down. We had some nice epic battles. Those some really, really good stories. Romulus has been a... The run that introduced his character and, and the runs that, that had to do with him were really, really good. So it's fun to see him back. It's a nice brawl. And then someone stabs Romulus with what I'm assuming is that special matter, whatever blade, I don't know what it's called, that Wolverine has. Oh, and we have an ad here for uh, the first X-Men starring Wolverine the Sabretooth. Yeah, I will not be reading that, so don't, don't come here for reviews or discussion on that. Um, I like Neil Adams in the past. I've not really liked what he's been doing the last few years. Didn't really care for the Batman Odyssey. Um, and don't... This cover looks cool. You can still draw. Um, well, except for this purple guy. That's some lame hair. But anyway, I won't be reading that. So I won't be talking about it here. Uh, just not interested. Uh, anyway, sorry. That, that'll be the only commercial I hope about, or I hope to talk about. I talk about, I hope. Sorry, a little jumbo in here. Um, so we have this girl who's red-headed with the ninja blade. Looks kind of like, um, oh no, she says it won't keep him down for long, so it's not Wolverine Special Blade. It's just some sort. Uh, I think she looks kind of like the, uh, um, oh, what are they called? The, uh, the guys that live on the moon. The, the Inhumans. That hair is very Inhuman. I don't think that she's going to end up being one. But that's just what the first impression reminds me of. But like we talked about with issue 309, Wolverine's got a thing for redheads. He even says it. Like, is that Jean? And she's like, you're going to pass out, aren't you? All right, go ahead and do that. Heal up. You're going to need it. But then she kisses him and whispers something. And if you look real at the really tiny whisper font, it says, The answers you seek are at the Weapon X facility. But hurry, he'll know, he'll know I told you. And Wolverine, when he wakes up, the girl was gone, Romulus was gone, he says, I've never met the girl before. I wouldn't remember that kiss. And he gets in a Blackbird and goes to the Weapon X facility. He talks about, it's another thing that has been rebuilt. A good line, he says, nothing stays buried. Uh, fits this story really well, especially as we're talking about the possibility of Sabretooth being uh, rejuvenated or resurrected or whatever. 
Uh, he talks a little bit about his memories and how they were taken away at Weapon X, but getting them back. He remembers that Romulus was part of all that. Um, talked about how he was more, knew more about the mutant gene than Sinister, Magneto, and Xavier combined. So that's a lot. That's a whole lot of knowledge. So Wolverine tells a knock-knock joke. And, uh-oh, there we are. What he didn't want to happen has apparently happened. Genetics. We have a whole lot of tubes of a whole lot of saber tooths. Um, interesting, they're kind of at different stages. Um, some of them have costumes, some of them don't. Um, they all have the little Weapon X things to cover up your junk so you're not naked. And a really good line. Jeff Loeb has a really, really good way of looking at this. Um, he says, Some people call the Weapon X program Canada's version of the American Super Soldier program. One way we got Captain America. In my nightmares, we get this Romulus could start a war with an unstoppable army. Eventually, Wolverine says, I burned this place to the ground once. Now I gotta do it twice. And he's kind of astounded at how many there are. We get a close-up. And one of the saber-tooths opens their eyes. And comes busting out of the test tube. And Wolverine's like, saber-tooth! And he says, I'm back, runt, just in time to see you die. I, this last page is great. It's a great picture of saber-tooth. Um... You got the the glass breaking. And I, I, I really like the shading. I like the, the black shadow wolverine with the white claws lit up. I think that looks really cool. And I cannot wait for the next issue 311 to come out. I am looking forward to where this story goes. I've said that a bunch already. Um, Alright, so here, here we go. Here we have an ad for Gambit number one. An all-new ongoing series. I guess I misunderstood. I thought that was going to be a mini-series. Um, a little surprised. Uh, like Gambit, always have. Um, didn't really think... We've had a go-around with him having a regular series before. And didn't really think he could support it by himself. I don't really remember it being... Really good or bad. Just kind of... There. Um, I do think this cover, I'm assuming this is a cover for number one, looks really good. I like Clay Mann. Um, he's done some good art for X-Men. So the cover is cool. I don't know if I'll, uh, if I'll check that or not. I'll, uh, flip through it when it comes out and decide then. Um, so then we go to the cutting edge. We have a little picture of Sabretooth from the Ed McGinnis alternate cover. No, it looks cool. I like Ed McGinnis. I'm glad I got the regular cover, though. I like it a little bit better. Um, then we have next issue. Go back in time for 309, which we already did. And then we're promising issue 311. Answers to the following questions. Where has Sabretooth been? And who is Wolverine's mysterious red-headed savior? So... This issue is great. Both these issues, 309 and 310. 
uh, get thumbs up from me. So if you haven't read them, go check them out. Though you probably shouldn't listen to this until after you read them because I definitely ruined it for you if you haven't read them yet. But uh, anyway, cool. So that takes care of the Wolverine regular series for now. Um, and we'll move on to our next section in just a minute. Okay, so for this next section, it'll be a segment called And the X-Men. Which, you guessed it, we're going to talk about the comic Wolverine and the X-Men. And we're going to look at issue number 13, which is written by Jason Aaron and penciled by Nick Bradshaw. Cover also by Nick Bradshaw. Uh, you got Inkers, Walden Wong, Cam Smith, and Nick Bradshaw. Um, you know, I like Nick Bradshaw. Uh, when he first came out, Kind of thought he was a little bit of a Art Adams clone, which was not a bad thing. If you're going to clone somebody, that's a great guy to clone. But he's kind of uh, definitely, he's definitely still some similarities. But he's definitely moved kind of in his, into a more unique personal direction, which is what you want out of your artist. Um, yeah, he, I'm digging him. He's got some good stuff. Um, kind of stylized. I like it. Uh, Jason Aaron's been doing good on this book, I think. Um, it's actually probably right now my favorite X-Men book. Um, haven't really... Uncanny's been good. Uh, the rest... I'm still buying them, but... I don't know. I'm hoping for some... Uh, hoping the change in creative team on the titleless X-Men will... Uh, Give that book a little bit of a boost. I haven't really been enjoying it very much lately. So we'll see how that new team does. And Astonishing. It's astonishing. It's, it's good. Uh, I was proud of the uh, the North Star issue. I thought that was a, a good thing to do. Um, the X-Men comics, if you've been reading them for a long time, not to say that the the comics in any way have this great influence on on society, but they've always I feel like X Men in particular have always well they've never shied away from tackling social issues and putting a progressive view out there. So I've always liked that about them. Uh, that aside, the rest of the story in Astonishing is just kind of okay. Um. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're, t- we're talking about Wolverine and the X-Men number 13, which you know, I called the segment and the X-Men. Uh, this issue should be called and the X-Men 13 because Wolverine is not in a single panel. So I'm just going to go through this real fast because, I mean, this is the podcast that goes snicked and there is not going to be an ounce of snicked in this whole issue. Um... The cover is cool. We got Phoenix attacking Gladiator. Um, it's an AVX crossover issue. Basically, Gladiator and the Shi'ar Death Squad have come to fight the X-Men because they're trying to host the Phoenix. And this story... You know, I, I joke that Wolverine is not the issue... But it's still a good issue. It's a good story. It's about Deathbird, whose character has been 
Okay, this tries to add, Jason Aaron tries to uh, flesh her out, add some depth, which is appreciated. It makes her character a little bit better. Um, not as one-dimensional as she's been in X-Men issues in the past. So basically we have this girl who, uh, we, we start off 13 years ago um, with Death, Death or Warburn. Is it Deathbird or Warburn? What the hell, I'm already lost. It's Deathbird and Warburn is her position. Right? I think that's right. That's what I'm going with. Anyway, uh, so the Shi'ar, particular Gladiator, and the Phoenix Death Squad have come to Wolverine's Jean Grey school uh, to destroy the Phoenix. And they have to fight the X-Men. We start off with Deathbird as a child, lying about an inkblot test. She sees beautiful things, but says she sees death. Or variations of the death. So that she can be enlisted in the Warbird program. Um, so basically Warbird is fighting. The Phoenix Five. Or the, the few women that are here. Actually I think they're all here. Um, which is interesting because. She's here or has been here on Earth. To kind of bodyguard kid gladiator while he attends the Jean Grey School of Higher Learning. Um, so one would think. Well, you know, that's not necessarily true. Uh, reading through Avengers vs. X Men and uh, the subsequent tie in issues, you see there's a kind of a split even among Wolverine School. Um, you know, Wolverine is taking the side of the Avengers. Uh, basically, AVX, a uh, quick cap. You should be reading it, but... Uh, the Phoenix Force is coming back for Hope Summers. Hope Summers is from Messiah Complex. Uh, the first new mutant since M-Day. Blah, blah, blah. The Phoenix is going to come for Hope, or so the X-Men think. Um, the X-Men decided that's a good thing. That the Phoenix Force will inhabit Hope. And she will cause more new mutants and mutants get back on the right track and not face extinction anymore. The Avengers and Wolverine, you know, will base mostly on Wolverine. Well, not mostly. Tony Stark has some stuff too. But basically somewhat on Wolverine's testimony of what he saw the Phoenix do to Jean Grey and try to destroy the X-Men. Basically, the Phoenix always destroys planets and everything it comes in contact with. Obviously, the Avengers are not happy about the Phoenix coming back to Earth. So they want to get hope. The X-Men sees in the front, and that's what we have the whole war going on. Um, it's been a pretty good series. Uh, yeah, I've been digging it. I've been digging it. Um, so anyway, Deathbird is here on Earth when King Gladiator at the school Wolverine. But she's not going to be on the side of the X-Men, or at least not the Phoenix X-Men. Oh, because the Phoenix split. Hope didn't want the Phoenix, and Tony Stark shot it with some kind of energy thing, some science -y thing. And so the Phoenix split into five pieces, 
uh, into Cyclops, Emma Frost, Neymar, Colossus, and Magic. To the Phoenix Five. And Deathbird is going to fight with the other Shi'ar against the Phoenix Five. So that's what the battle we have. Um, and basically this issue is about the battle. And we get a flashback story where Deathbird has to assassinate a terrorist squad on the Shi'ar homeworld. She lets one of the kids go. The Shi'ar don't like it. The kid ends up being dead. And as punishment for her feelings for kids, that's why she has to babysit King Gladiator. At least that's what, how she sees it. Uh, she cuts up and then kisses Iceman. And says she'll do him later if he wants to. Um, and basically there's a whole lot of fighting. More flashback. More fighting. More flashback. And then... The Phoenix Five take Gladiator down. Nick Bradshaw makes him look like a beat up Rocky, which is cool. Um, King Gladiator wants to go join the fight. Deathbird said, No, I'm here to protect you. You can't do that. He gets mad, so she takes him out. And Gladiator gets taken down. Can you? Kitty Pride's running out with a medic kit. And you see Deathbird carrying Gladiator's beaten body off. And then she's sitting on a ledge with her little feather hair blowing in the wind with her head in her hands. And that's where we end up. Next issue me by Aaron and Molina. And it looks like we have a Phoenix Colossus bringing roses to Kitty Pride at the school. And <laughs> that's funny. I just noticed out of the corner of this preview cover, we have a Quentin Choir with a fire extinguisher. I don't know if he's going to try to put the Phoenix out with a fire extinguisher or not. But, um, Anyway, it'll be interesting. I don't think Kitty Pryde is really super on board with the Phoenix Five thing, but here in Colossus is is one of the Phoenix Five, and he's going to bring her some flowers. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with that. We have an ad for Amazing Spider-Man six ninety one, No Turning Back, featuring the star of the movie, The Wizard. Which the movie is really good, by the way. Um, right now, I'm calling it tied with the first McGuire one. Uh, definitely better than the, the third one, which sucked. Um, overall, I think uh, Andrew Garfield did a better job. Um, anyway, that's 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 another thing. Go see the movie and read Amazing Spider-Man. This Wizard story has been pretty good. Uh, Kevin Coley's art has been good. This is a really cool cover with the reflection of Spider-Man and the Wizard Sweat eyeball. So looking forward to that. All right, well, that's that. Hopefully Wolverine will be in the next issue. 
I know why it's still on the title. I mean, the the book is about Wolverine school. So Wolverine and the X-Men at school. So it doesn't have to be in every issue, but it'd be nice with the name on the cover to at least, you know, at least walk through a panel. Be like, hey, school, I'm going off to cut up some things. Snick. You know, just give me that. But uh, anyway, hopefully he'll show up next one. All right. Well, uh, next we'll talk about the latest issue of X-Force, Wolverine's secret espionage team. Okay, so, uh, excuse me. Next in our Wolverine coverage, we're going to cover Uncanny X-Force number 27, which, of course, Uncanny X-Force is Wolverine's Black Ops team, which he started with Cyclops, or for Cyclops, which I don't really know the timetable on these X-Force stories. I don't know if this is before AVX or if he's just Wolverine's going to keep doing X-Force. Anyway, even though him and Cyclops are split, I mean, he still did it after Schism. I mean, it's definitely post-Gizzo, and he's still running X-Force, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, so, we have, written by Rick Remender, who's been doing an awesome job on X-Force, uh, Uncanny X-Force, um, and writing some really good, other than the little excursion t- to the other world or whatever that was with the the Braddock family. I don't really I don't never really cared for for those characters. Uh, I like Psylocke a lot. Her brothers could uh, cease to exist for all I care. Um but other than that little story, uh Uncanny X Force from issue one has been a fantastic read. Um the Art is by Phil Noto. Colors by Dean White. Cover by Jerome Opeña and Dean White. Uh, this cover is really cool. Uh, we have the skinless man who I guess we needed that that other story so he could come back. Um, okay. We have Sabretooth and I don't... I'm going to confess my ignorance. I think this is our Sabretooth. Because I think that Age of Apocalypse Sabretooth looks different. So I I think this is Sabretooth returned. So up up to up to speed. You know, Wolverine or Sabretooth reborn is a little bit in the past. Uh, we have the Shadow King with this funny little hat. We have the Age of Apocalypse Blob and Mystique. And then the Skinless Man has his little skin things which I don't think are intestines but look like intestines and I kind of wish that's what they did but I think it's just skin folds of his muscle or no his muscle folds not skin he has no skin uh his muscle fibers I guess can come off and choke people like phantom x on the edge of the cliff so that's the cover um, okay, our current X-Force team is, of course, Wolverine, Psylocke, Phantom X, Deadpool, 
and the Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler, which I don't like as much as the real Nightcrawler, but if it's between Age of Age, Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler and no Nightcrawler, then I'm okay. So, um, what's going on? This is a Final Execution Chapter Three. It's been a good story. I was really excited when I saw the preview art and saw that it would be related to Omega Red. Um, turns out they just used this stuff to build some other people or weapons. That's cool. It was still a great cover and a good story. Basically, the Skinless Man and some other ex-villains have um, found out about X-Force and decided they're going to take them out. Um, they set up this big plan, drew Deadpool into this place where they were making these assassins. X-Force came along, or most of them got trapped. We had that cool thing. Wolverine got fat with disease and had to eviscerate himself, basically. Um, and I guess that's about it. We had a Psylocke, I guess, is dead inside after the whole messing with the brothers. But then she swept with Phantom X and then told him it didn't mean anything. Mystique tries to take advantage of that by pretending to be Psylocke and warming up to Phantom X. Uh, the skinless guy cut off Phantom X's face. That's what he does. He cuts people's skins off. So Phantom X keeps his mask on at all times right now. So we open up with Mystique in her underwear and Phantom X in his boxers and mask, which, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I always thought Phantom X would be a boxer brief guy. But anyway, he's in his boxers and mask and him and Mystique are fighting on the sledge. And it's funny, Phantom X says, you make love nothing like Betsy. And Mystique says, yet you continued. And Phantom X says, I didn't say it was bad. It basically says, you didn't have to sweep with me just to attack me. And she's like, oh, but I did. I had to poison you. He's like, poison? He's like, yep, that's why your mutant power's not working. And so it looks like Mystique has the upper hand. Knocks Phantom X over. He's hanging off the ledge by his fingers. Mystique says something about our plans. Phantom X is like, our? There's more people involved? And she says, you should die. She don't want to see what we're going to do to Psylocke. She starts to st either step on his fingers or kick his face. I'm not sure what she's going for there. But Phantom X grabs her blue smurfy foot and pulls her over the edge. She falls through the skylight where people are sitting on the couch apparently watching the fireplace. And she lands on the coffee table with a dash. And we get a classic, ayy, from the, I guess that's the lady on the couch, or maybe a dude, I can't tell. Um, and Ava's coming around, someone's talking to Mystique, through some kind of intercom or psychic connection, we're not really sure. But she says, yes, he's poisoned. Then we switch to Genosha, where I believe the Beast, I think he's a tour guide, has taken the ex-students from Wolverine school because he felt like they could learn the history better if they saw it in person than if they just saw it from a book. 
So we have Kid Apocalypse, or Evan. <laughs> I guess it's not right to call him Kid Apocalypse. And he's walking around, and Quentin Quire comes up behind him. Basically razzes him about being Apocalypse. And how he doesn't believe he's good. He says, basically, he says right here, All you are is a bad day waiting for me in the future. I look at you and I see one thing, a monster. And Sabretooth says, How convenient. Especially coming from you, frail. And I love when Sabretooth calls people frail. It's as much, it's as much fun as when he calls uh, Wolverine runt. Wolverine calling people bub. Is is right right up there. Sabretooth calling people frail. And then he it appears that he's looking for Kid Apocalypse. Introduces himself. Kid Gladiator threatens Sabretooth, and he calls Kid Gladiator a rut. Says he has stupid hair, which he does. His little segmented space mohawk looks like crap. I wish they not have done that, but they did. And then Age of Apocalypse Blob with his nipple rings and pink tattoo jumps down on Kid Gladiator. Kid Apocalypse runs away, feels guilty about it, says it's not how he was raised. And then Sabretooth says that, you know, they're trying to keep you from reaching your potential. They got you running scared. And it says, you need better teachers. And then he, I guess, tases him. Knocks him out. Oh yeah, here's Beast. And he yells, he's where's Evan? And, <laughs> actually, it's kind of funny here. Uh, King Gladiator is crawling out of the crater that was left when the blob landed on him. Um, he says, some fat piece of something blindsided me. And one of the other mutant students, one of the girls says, Sounds like the blob! And... Bree's like, why would they want Evan? And Quentin Quire's being snotty as usual. Says, same reason we don't want him, Brew. He's the damned apocalypse. So we have Eva flying over New York. He thinks that Psylocke is already dead. Or she wouldn't have said anything about it. Because she would have known. that Mystique would have known that if she mentioned they had Psylocke, that he'd come looking. So the only reason she mentioned it was because she must already be dead. So Phantom Max jumps out, finds him, finds him somehow. I'm not really sure how he found her. Oh, because Eva found that there was a room reserved under her name in a hotel. Okay. Sorry, forgot about that. So, Phantom X jumps to the hotel. He's having a really kind of feel bad for himself party because he says, basically he was out pouting that Elizabeth didn't like him. Psylocke didn't like him. But he says, why I was out, or why I, why I thieved and whored they've killed Betsy. So Phantom X jumps in, finds the Shadow King. He's like, where is she? Points the guns in his eyeballs. 
and Shadow King says she's in the bathroom. She is. She's in the tub. She's been crying. She has emo eyeshadow on. Uh, Phantom X tries to comfort her. Psylocke gets mad that he's there. And then the skinless man shoots more muscle tendrils at Phantom X and starts choking him, smashes his face in the mirror. And basically says that Phantom X had used his mutant powers to trick Psylocke into feeling for him, but he never she never really did. And basically she he says that Psylocke has figured that out. I don't really know why the skinless man is wearing this like old English court wig. But that seems to be his thing. Phantom X gets the upper hand and shoots him. Uh, she, he says she's going to take Psylocke home. And then he comes to realization. He realizes that they're in her mind. So he takes off his mask. Because I guess it has dampening, psychic dampening shields. And puts it on Psylocke. So he knows then that... They're going to get in his head because he's no longer protected. So he shoots at a Shadow King that's not there anymore. He throws Psylocke into Eva. Uh, the muscles, tentacles come out and grab him. And Eva flies off with Psylocke at Phantom X's command. And the skinless man pops up with a knife. Then we have the middle spread for the upcoming AVX stuff. Um, Avengers 29 with the... Well, it says Bendis and Simonson, but that looks like a Diodato cover. Uh, looks pretty cool. Captain America sneaking around with the uh, Angel and Silver Surfer. The new Avengers 29 is by ben Bendis and Diodato. Looks like a Ron Garney picture. With Doctor Strange, Mr. Fantastic, and Iron Man. And we have Uncanny X-Men 17. With a little caption that says, The covered Uncanny X-Men 16. By Gillen and Acuna. I actually read that. I don't know. I read 16. Which is the cover I'm looking at. It's it really good. Really nice story with Sinister and the Phoenix Force stuff. And then... I think Wolverine and the X-Men 15 will at least have Wolverine in it because he's on the cover. It's by Aaron and Molina. It's a nice cover here with a Wolverine jumping into a fight with Beast, Angel, and Iceman. Which leads to some confusion. Because diagonally across from each other, you have what looks like Angel on Wolverine's team. And Wolverine, at least for now, things can change. Is on the same team as Captain America. Even though Captain America dropped him out of a plane. Um, but it looks like in the Avengers 29 picture that Captain America is sneaking away from Angel. So I'm not real sure what that's about. Guess I'll have to read and find out. Oh, back to our story after that commercial break. Uh, the Skinless Man tells Phantom X that we have the Boy Apocalypse 
Um, basically, Phantom X, or Kid Apocalypse is Phantom X's, I want to say fault. I mean, it's a good thing to do, but it's definitely his project, or he exists because of Phantom X. And so Skinless Man kind of rubs that in, saying that the Apocalypse will kill Psylocke, even though she escaped, that she will still die. And you get the joy of knowing it's all your fault because you set all of this in motion. And the boy, your little experiment, will kill billions. And it looks like the skinless man cuts out Phantom X's heart. And Phantom X is dead. Um, Sabretooth just came back, so we don't know if he'll stay dead or not. Uh, if he'll come back immediately, if he'll come back later, or not at all. We don't really know. Um, Ava is arguing with Psylocke and is saying, you know what, I just felt the connection sever. Phantom X is dead, so we can't go back for him. So Psylocke directs Ava to this little plateau that we recognize right away. We're going to find Gateway there. Uh, Ava is starting to fail. She's having a lot of those electronic miscommunication noises, which just says stuff like, I'm so sorry, now disconnected. I have suck, 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 dying as well. So you get all that stuff. Uh, looks like she's about to crash. Gateway watches her crash, and she does. Psylocke says, that basically she lied to Phantom X when she said she had no feelings for him. And she regrets that those were her last words for him. She says, but it was a lie. A lie I would never be able to confess. But then we have Ava walking up in a humanoid form. Saying the second phase has just begun. I'm assuming that's a double meaning. Um... I'm going to guess that Ava turning into a humanoid is the second phase for her. And that she also knows something about some sort of second phase that maybe Phantom X has planned. Ah, so now though, we find our boy Wolverine. They're back at some, one of the X-Force bases with Deadpool and Nightcrawler. There's a little tube with some old X-Men uniforms, so I guess maybe they're at the school. Uh, maybe X-Force. The X-Force base must be in the basement. So Wolverine catches Cyclops, Deadpool, <laughs> and classic Deadpool action says, Who's a sexy robot? Um, Psylocke tells Wolverine that Phantom X is dead. And then Dokken, Wolverine's son, shows up on the video screen. And jokes about, sorry that I killed your friend. Jeez, I guess I'm going to get grounded. <laughs> and he says something funny here. He goes, you have to punish me, but good, Pops. Sounds like a hick. Because this is just the tip of the iceberg. And then Ultimatum comes up. And apparently the Sentinel, the Phantom X had reprogrammed or controlled, is no longer under his control. So he's going to revert to hunting and killing mutants. And he starts by breaking... Oh, voice crack there. Sorry about that. 
He starts by breaking Gateway's neck. They apparently has some kind of existential crisis where he says in robot voice, what is the greater meaning? And decides he's going to blow up everything. Oh, no, okay. I don't think that was at the new mansion. I, it's out in the desert somewhere. If they get this nice New Mexico mushroom cloud from where Ultimatum blows up the base. But there are a bunch of old X-Men uniforms. There's, um... The old Phoenix uniform. Not the miniskirt, but the one after that. There's an old Cyclops uniform from the yellow and blue days. I don't know if that's... It looks, it's, the coloring makes it look kind of like Scarlet Witch, but I think it's Emma Frost based on the panties, which is a weird, creepy thing to say. But it, it looks like that's her old underwear with the cape and her go-go boots. And then, we after we see the mushroom cloud, we see this new group of ex-villains in their, what I'm guessing is right now their entirety and back behind them we have Phantom X's corpse in a chair and so we have Shadow King, the Omega Clan, uh, Age of Apocalypse, Blob, Sabretooth, Mystique, Dokken now and the Skinless Man and Dokken has his head hand on a <laughs> it'd be creepy if he had his head on his shoulder uh, Dawkins has his hand on Kid Apocalypse's shoulder, and he's like, All "Right, see there, kid. No matter what they told you, I don't know why he says this like this. He says, I got the straight dope. You shouldn't put a yo. If you're gonna say that, and you're gonna commit to that line, Jeff Loeb, you might as well throw a yo in there and say, I got the straight dope, yo. But anyway, uh, what he says is, is basically he says, bad guy is a better side of the coin to land on." And I like the way, uh, no, no, Drew, that you can't really tell from Evan's expression, Kid Apocalypse, uh, you can't really tell what's going through his head. He's not smiling like everybody else in the room, which they all have big goofy grins, big teeth full grins, except for Blob, he just kind of smirking. But, um, but he doesn't look particularly bothered or scared. He, he, they've written him so far to be kind of a stoic character. And so it's a stoic look. And with that, you can't really tell. Like, you'd hate to think he's buying anything already from Dawkins, but he doesn't look super opposed either. So I'm really interested to see what happens whether he really is just predestined to ruin everything or whether he'll stay a hero for a while but um so next issue we have what and this is the cover it's really good um i have it looks like x-force in some kind of future city at least it's got like future things in the air we have wolverine nightcrawler deadpool psylocke Humanoid Ava and Deathlock. Oh, so the two locks are standing together. What a lock-lock action. Um, anyway, okay, well that is X-Force 27. Um, 
I haven't looked myself to make sure. I heard someone talking about and would not be surprised. I'm thinking this might be the last Uncanny X4 story. I think it's getting um, the can after all of the AVX aftermath stuff wraps up. Um, I'll be sad to see the series go. I've been really enjoying it. So if that's the case, um, I don't know. I guess it's better than what it could be. And not all of these series stay good. Um, thinking specifically of the very first X-Core series where it started off awesome. It was great for like, what, 30, 40 issues. It's really, really good. And then it got good again later when it got like what people call the weird X-Force. And then it got even weirder when you got Slimer and all that stuff. And you get you go girl or whatever her name was. I didn't read any of that. The Mike Allred stuff. I like Mike Allred. But I just couldn't get into that. But anyway, but but like I guess it's better for this series to end with this remainder still doing all his stuff than for it to just get crappy later. So, I guess what I'm saying is, if I can have the whole series from first issue to last and enjoy all of it, then I'd rather collect that than you know what I'm doing with X-Men right now and just buying it because I have all the rest. But, but I'm hoping the new creative team will be better and take it back up to Uncanny Wolverine and the X-Men level. That's where it should be. X-Men should be the best books. And they're not always where they should be. So, anyway, this is going to be my first official episode. I didn't really mean to go an hour and a half. And it may actually go a little longer by the time I edit it together and add some music and stuff. But, um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to edit it, put it all together, and try to figure out how to actually put this online. I haven't looked at that yet. Um... If people like it and it's any good, I'll make another one. If I listen to it myself and thinks it sucks, then this will just be something I tried. <laughs> so, anyway, we'll see. Um, we'll see where it goes. So, for now, this is Jason signing off. Snicked. Or something. Bye.